How exciting about the uh, planting of a new congregation. And uh, I just, while we're in worship, I just felt like the Holy Spirit put on my heart to just pray with these guys and uh, just maybe share some of God's heart. Could we just stand together as we do that? If you guys could just come forward, I'd just love to pray with you. If you feel comfortable, this might not be uh, your normal practice, but just extend your hand towards this couple. All we're doing is saying we support you as we pray together. Father, we just thank you so much for Adam and Darcy. We thank you for the call of God upon their lives. And in worship, I saw a picture of acceleration. God says this work that I've called you to is gonna accelerate quickly. I saw an explosion of young families. Even in the, uh, I saw in the near future, I saw God blessing your own house with a beautiful family. And uh, I see an acceleration of, um, of people being drawn and attracted to this uh, new work, to your lives, to who you are, to how you carry yourselves. There's gonna be, you're gonna be marked by evangelism, by souls being saved, and, and you're gonna raise up uh, strong uh, young men and women who are gonna be um, going out. I see work in high schools and uh, in, in areas of the community. Even uh, business people are gonna come and join this work. And so, Father, we just thank you for Adam. We thank you for Darcy. We pray, fill them with your Holy Spirit. Fill them with energy, grace, strength, and vision for what you've called them to. Let there be a drawing of the generations, Father, to this house. We believe it. We say yes and amen to it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a hand of praise today. It's been uh, such an honour to be here this weekend. Uh, St- Pastor Stephen Becker, the real deal. Who loves your pastors? And uh, Pastor Luke as well and the team here. Thank you so much for your hospitality and your honour. And uh, if I lived in, in uh, Auckland, this, and I'm not just saying this because I want a great offering, uh, but, but this would be the sort of church I would want to be a part of. Why? Because there is an authenticity of heart, of spirit, uh, and, uh, and such a, a great sense of family. And so if you're new to this church or just checking it out, I'd encourage you to explore further because uh, I'm just so glad that God sends me to great churches, to great places. And um, I, I want us to, uh, uh, let's get straight into it today. Let's go to John chapter 15, verse one to 16. And uh, even though I'm preaching the same message in each of these morning services, I believe that God brings out specific things for that particular meeting and for the particular people that are in this room. And so there may be things that I said in the morning uh, previous service that uh, I, I maybe not bring out in this one, but I believe that wherever you're at, whatever heart you've come with, uh, receive what God wants to say into your heart and life today. John 15 verse one says this, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. 
and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends for all that I've heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain or abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. I wanna speak to you this morning on being positioned for productivity, being positioned for fruitfulness. How do we posture ourselves in a place where God can bring fruitfulness into our lives? I really believe that as a church, that you are in a significant season of fruitfulness and what God intends for the house, He intends for you individually. If you're planted in this house, if this is your home and your family, your church family, God doesn't intend fruitfulness just for the property, the facilities, the staff, He intends it for your life. You gotta understand that when you call a particular church your home, what God's doing in the house, He's actually wanting to do in you. And so if this church is in a season of fruitfulness, then you need to understand that's God's intention for you. That's what God wants for you. That's what you've gotta position yourself for in your spirit by faith. Several years ago, when I went through a difficult season, a man of God prophesied a word over my life. He said, three seasons will repeat themselves in your life. A season of pruning, a season of preparation, and a season of productivity. Just when you think that you can't take any more cutting and pruning, God will transition you into a season of preparation. Just when you think that you've been, you know, you can't take any more preparation and you're waiting and waiting for harvest, God will bring you into a season of harvest but when you think that's your fixed address and that's where you're gonna live forever and a day, God will bring you back into a season of pruning and cutting. I've discovered that that isn't just a true word for me, but for every single follower of Jesus. You see, all of us will go through seasons of pruning, preparation and productivity. Our idea of fruitfulness is God, can't we just live in perpetual harvest? Can't we just live with full bank accounts, healthy family, holidays in Vanuatu? Can't we just live like in perpetual summer and harvest all the time? And God says, I like where your heart's at, but my idea of fruitfulness in your life is to take you through the different seasons. If you just live in perpetual harvest, you'll never learn some things about God and about yourself that you can only learn through the winter seasons of life. And so you've got to identify the season that you're in. Because if you're expecting harvest in a season 
of pruning, you're going to become disillusioned and discouraged. Because you're going to be expecting something to happen that God's actually doing something else in your life. And God says, yeah, I, I, I chose you and appointed you to produce fruit. I want to bring you into productivity, but you're going to understand what I'm doing right now in your life. If you align the right action with the right expectation in the right season, you'll maximize that season, but you'll also position yourself for coming fruitfulness and productivity in your life. Just talk to a farmer, they'll tell you, uh, every season is needed for harvest. As in the natural, so in the supernatural. But what you've got to understand is that even if you're in a season where it's a valley season, it's a, it seems to be a pruning and cutting season, never doubt God's intention for fruitfulness in your life. Many of us draw conclusions about God and about our lives based upon contradictions. Never form a theology, the way we think and talk about God, based upon the contradictions in the seasons of your life. God is still exceedingly good. He's still exceedingly faithful. He's still patient. He's still loving. He's still a God of grace. Even if your current circumstance is a contradiction to that reality right now. My wife and I, our family have been through all sorts of ups and downs and twists and turns and valleys and mountaintops. But one of the things I've come to learn about God is he, Jesus stays the same yesterday, today and forever. His character, His love, His heart for you stays the same. The way He works in your life does change from season to season. The Holy Spirit is dynamic. The wind blows wherever it wishes. We are children of the wind. We are born of the Spirit of God. We move in different seasons according to the leading of the Spirit. But God's character, His sovereignty, His goodness in your life is the same yesterday, today and forever, no matter what season of life that you find yourself in. And so the key question that you've got to ask yourself is, am I as animated in winter seasons as I am in summer seasons? Am I as expectant, full of faith, Full of hope, because if you lose your hope, you lose your faith. Faith, hope, and love abide, but you've got to understand the substance and, and conviction and assurance of your faith is your hope in, I can't see it in the natural, but I see it in my spirit. I've got a word from God for this season of my life, and no matter what I'm not seeing in, in the moment, or what I am seeing in this season, I'm going to hold on to the word by faith, because God is not a man that he should lie. He will, his word will not return void. It will accomplish what he sends it out to perform. So when God speaks over uh, Adam and Darcy as they head out into this season, God's not a man that he should lie. That's his intention. That's his thought. And as we align our lives and ourselves by faith with what God wants to do, guess what we see? A divine acceleration come into to complement what God is saying. One of the key things you need to understand about uh, fruitfulness is that God rewards all fruitfulness with pruning. I'm just here to encourage you today, all right? He rewards all fruitfulness with pruning. How do I know that? Because he says every branch that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away. 
every branch that does bear fruit, the branches you and I, he prunes. So here's the lesson. Whether you produce fruit or not, guess what? You're gonna get cut, right? So you may as well get cut for producing fruit, not get cut because you're just passive, sitting there waiting for something to happen when God's actually saying, no, 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 you gotta understand something. Uh, this is co-laboring with me. This is partnership with me. I wanna bring fruitfulness, but in order to bring greater fruitfulness, some things need to be pruned off of the attitudes of your heart, paradigms and mindsets, old wine skins that need to be done with. Why? For new wine to be poured. The wine is symbolic of the Spirit, the new move of the Spirit of God in your life. We've got to shed and let go of the old wine skins, the old weights, the old things that are, are, are blinding us and limiting what God wants to do in our lives. I remember I was in a season of my life where I felt like I was going backwards and I felt like, God, are you punishing me? Is there some sin I've committed that I need to repent of? And so I'm making up sins to repent of just so God would you know, get some more momentum in my life. And, and he's like, no, I'm not punishing you. I'm pruning you for greater fruitfulness. I'm trying to bring you into something that your current mindset, attitudes, and even some negative relationships can't go where I'm about to take you. You've got to allow me to cut those things off of your life. And because I am not a, an avid horticulturalist or gardener, I needed some revelation on gardening and pruning. And so when you lack revelation, you go to Google. And so some of you thought you go to the Bible. No, you go to Google, right? <coughs> not true, don't go to Google first. Um, but I, I, I research pruning and here is what it says. Hear this from a spiritual perspective. It is the selective removal of parts of a plant not needed. It involves the cutting of branches shorter or off altogether. And the reason is it removes dead wood and prepares the plant for a harvest of both quality and quantity of fruit. Pruning prevents breakage under the external elements and will ultimately determine the productivity and longevity of the fruit. If you needed it for the next season, God wouldn't cut it off you. Whatever is cut off you, you didn't need for where God's about to take you. And often what we do is we hold on tightly to things God's saying, let go. Release your offense to that person. Forgive that person. Release your grip even on that seed to sow into someone else's life. I mean, even recently in our family, God spoke to me. I was preaching on faith at a, a church in Australia and, 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 and you know, it's, it's really a problem when God actually wants you to follow your own preaching. I mean, like, what's the deal with that? And, and, and so I'm preaching about faith and, and I get down at the end of the service and God says, I want you to take this amount of money and I want you to give it to this person. And, and I'm like, not so happy about that idea and because it was a lot of money and, and, and you're like, what, what's up with that? But, but you can't receive more of whatever God has for you if you're holding on tightly. And I didn't say it in the first service, that's for someone in this room today. That God is speaking to you and he's saying, release, so into the house of God, someone else's life and watch what God does in your business Watch what God, God, you can't outgive God. God is not a God of lack, He is a God of plenty. 
And he wants to bring you into a greater fruitfulness and harvest in your life, but it requires God to cut some things off of us. And so when I'm in that season where I'm feeling like God is, I'm going backwards, God gave me a picture of uh, an archer with a bow and arrow. And the Lord said to me, son, I am the archer. The bow is my word in your life at this time. You are the arrow. You think that you're going backwards when in fact I'm stretching your capacity to be able to propel you forwards into what I have for you in the coming days in Jesus' name. Your cutbacks are not setbacks. God is setting you up for a comeback to propel forward into what He has for you for your future and your destiny in Jesus Christ. That's why you've got to do not allow to tolerate an inferior view of who God is because it will limit the fullness and abundance of life that Jesus wants to bring into your life. How does God prune? We say, well, he prunes through circumstance, sickness, lack. No, no, that's the work of the enemy. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Never label or apply uh, to God what is the work of the enemy. How does God primarily prune? Through his word, through his voice. In fact, when when he said to the disciples, already you are clean because of my word, the same Greek uh, root word for clean and the root word for pruning, it's the same word. Already you are cut, already you are clean, already you are pruned because of my word. When God's getting ready to do something new in your life, he speaks a word into your spirit. He creates by his word. He not only cuts by his word, He creates by his word. So you see this all the time in the gospels when Jesus is interacting with the disciples, particularly Peter. We love Peter because Peter has foot and mouth disease. Peter's just like me and and, and us sometimes. And and, and so Peter thinks that he's come up with a brilliant idea that Jesus shouldn't die. Brilliant idea, right? Jesus, if you die... The, the family business just falls apart. I mean, it's gonna, we're gonna go bankrupt, we're gonna collapse. Jesus, you cannot die, right? And Jesus is like, there's a wrong value system here. You're not thinking with the mind of the Father and the mind of the Spirit. You're thinking according to the flesh. And what does Jesus say? He pulls out a big pair of pruning scissors and he says, get behind me, Satan. Now, on the day when Jesus says to you, get behind me, Satan, can we all just agree that's a bad day, all right? It's just, Peter, you're having a bad, you woke up on the wrong side of bed this morning. You know, the warrior's lost. I know you're depressed. But hey, the All Blacks won, all right? It's just leveled out. The the scales are now rebalanced, okay? And so, you you know, here's Peter, and Peter's like, wow, that was harsh. And we say, that was harsh, Jesus, but what was Jesus doing? Using his word to adjust value systems. If we're gonna live in the fullness of the culture of the kingdom of God, our value systems need to be adjusted. Why is there power in the preached word? Why is there power in prophecy? One of the reasons why I love prophecy, why is there power in it? Why? Because it adjusts value systems. 
It helps us to understand what the culture of the kingdom is. We, 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 are, we are not of the flesh. Our weapons are not carnal. They are not of the flesh, but they are supernatural. They are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. We are, we are new creations in Christ Jesus. The old has gone, the new has come. If you're gonna live in the new kingdom, the new culture of the spirit of the kingdom of God in your life, we're gonna allow God to adjust value systems. What God is wanting to do in your life requires a new word for a new season. The right response to pruning is to remain connected to Jesus, whether it's up, down, left, right, whether it's a valley or a mountaintop. Stay connected. Why? Because fruitfulness is dependent upon it. Fruitfulness is dependent upon your relational connection with Jesus. Jesus said in verse uh, uh, four and five, abide in me, I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Whoever abides in me and I in them will bear much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. The fruit you produce is determined by the source you're connected to. If you don't like the fruit that's coming out of your life, check the source. Check the operating system, the beliefs that, that, that you're being influenced by, that you're operating by, because if it's not the fruit you wanna produce, then God, what, what, what source am I connected to? I need to change the source. I need to feed off some other information because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of your heart flow the springs of life. A healthy marriage is not just about this technique and that you know, behavioral change. You can add techniques and new behaviors to your marriage, but default back to an old pattern because it's not a new reality in your heart. People wanna prosper and be blessed in their finances and steward their finances well. It's not about riches or wealth, it's just about stewardship. But unless it becomes a theme in your heart, according to the word of the Lord, it's not gonna become a reality in your life. And so if there's fruit in your life that you're producing in your relationships, in your health and in your world that you're not happy with, God, I gotta get back to the source of life. I'm gonna remain connected to you. You see, Jesus is trying to bring us into the same dependency that he had with his father. He says, I only ever do that which I see my father doing. It's the same dependency. Every breakthrough in my life, when I left the police force and we just got married and, and I went to Bible college and internship and was not earning any money uh, of significance at that time, what did it require? Dependency, to trust the word that I heard. When we planted a church with 13 people and no money, I tell you, talk about dependency, right? You got buildings, and I'm like, Adam, appreciate what you've got, bro. Because we planted with 13 people in a lounge room. Obviously, we had blessing and, and, and love from a whole lot of people. But how do know sometimes instead of offering, there's a whole lot of love. All right, you know, love offering. Uh, uh, and, and we had a whole lot of love, but not necessarily a whole lot of offering. But what did I learn in that season? Dependency. I learned he's a God of the miraculous. 
I learned my faith has a future. Why? Because when you honour the Word in your life, it'll work, baby. It'll work in your life. When we left that church, that's now several hundred flourishing, going well. In the last six years, we go itinerant, be a voice to the body. And I've only got four months booked into my calendar of speaking engagements. After that, it's back to checkout, chick for me. And, and, and you know, uh, picking up a job wherever I could, nothing wrong with that, but that's not what I was called to. All of a sudden, I realise I've got to be dependent. And for the last six years and moving forward, God has just honoured His Word in my life. You see, remaining connected to Christ is about bringing you into dependency. That's why friendship, not servanthood, is the fountain of fruitfulness in life. I love servanthood. I love the heart to serve. It's important in church life. It's important in the kingdom. It's just not the priority compared to friendship. It's not me saying that, Jesus said that. He said, no longer do I call you servants for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Who would you rather share the secrets of your heart with? Servants, hirelings, employees, or friends? I don't know about you, but I share secrets with my friends. God's the same. He's looking for friends. He's looking for people that will prioritise intimacy, friendship as a lifestyle, not a 65-minute segment on a Sunday, but a lifestyle. What we're doing here today is simply an extension of the life that we live in Christ every single day. We spend time every day. We think about Him every day. We're in His Word every day. We're looking for people to be a blessing to every day. When you abide in Him, this is a 24-7, 365 day year reality and what we do here on a Sunday is simply the overflow, the refill station, the extension of what God has called us to as a corporate community in the life of the kingdom. Friendship is the posture of fruitfulness. And as we uh, embrace and cultivate a lifestyle of friendship, no matter what season I'm in, whether I'm in a valley or a mountaintop, I can expect that God has appointed me to fruitfulness. I wanna encourage you today, if you're in a valley, I know what valleys are like. Uh, My 59-year-old mother passed away uh, two and a half years ago, wrestled uh, with a lung disease for 20 years, in and out of hospital, passed away nine months of intense grief, exhaustion, and really you never tend to get over that sort of thing but, but as God began to work in that valley season of my life, because how many of us know fruit is made in the valleys, not the mountaintops? Yeah. We all want the mountaintop, but that's not where fruit is. Yeah. Fruit's in the valleys, on the plains of life. And so out of that season of valley, where God began to heal my heart and do a work in my spirit, exploded incredible fruitfulness. Right. Lives changed, souls saved, the kingdom growing, doors opening. But it didn't come just because I wanted it, or I wish for it, it came because I let God do something in my heart in the the valley seasons of life. I wanna invite you to stand on your feet with me today. And, And if you're here and you say, you know what, I'm in a valley season, I'm in a pruning season, I'm in a place right now where there are some contradictions, I would just love wherever you're at right now just to pray for you pray with you that the Spirit of God would take this word and apply it to your heart in a powerful way. 
And uh, I just want to invite you, if that's you today and, and you need prayer for this, just close your eyes and just lift your hand all across this room if that's you. And I want to speak into your valley right now. Father, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for those who are in the mountaintop seasons of life. We celebrate and rejoice with them. And we thank you, God, for your faithfulness to them in every season. But Father, for those who are in valleys right now, for those who are feeling the stinging cut of pruning in their lives, for those who are facing some circumstances and challenges relationally, financially, in all different areas of our lives, Father, I pray right now, let this Word bring new life to their hearts, to their families, to their bodies, to their spirits in the Name of Jesus. Father, I just declare and prophesy fruitfulness over every household represented in this room. And Lord, whatever season, pruning, preparation or productivity, I thank You, Father, that it's all for a purpose. You've chosen, You've appointed us for fruitfulness. Lord, we will maintain and remain in a posture of abiding and faith because, Lord, we believe that Your intentions for us are exceedingly good. We love you, we honour you, and we just pray, God, begin to move by your Spirit in our lives as we walk out of this place today. May we begin to see tangible fruit from the decisions and from the encounters and from the co-labouring with you that we engage with today in this place. Even as we're still praying, I just invite you just to keep your eyes closed for one moment and you can lower your hands. But if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus Christ to become your Lord and Saviour, You've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin. I want to extend to you that simple invitation and opportunity right now. You see, the Bible tells us right back at the beginning that we've been designed for a relationship with God. We can't do life on our own. That's not just about the people around you. Ultimately, that's about our need of a Saviour, our need of God as our Creator and Sustainer of life. And, and, and because you've been designed for relationship, if you're not in that relationship, if you haven't asked Jesus Christ to forgive you, there'll be something within you that feels like it's empty, it's missing. And God wants to restore that connection to Himself today. The Bible tells us because of our sinfulness, our rebellion, our self-centeredness, there's been a separation between us and God. But for God so loved us that He gave us His one and only Son, so that whosoever should believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting Life. The solution is not try harder, work harder, become more successful. You can't save yourself. The solution is to run to Jesus, to ask Jesus to forgive you, to ask Him to wash you clean, to save you, to come by His Spirit and live in your heart. And when that happens, the free gift of eternal life, the peace that you're searching for, the forgiveness of sins that we desperately need becomes a living reality. If you're here today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I wanna invite you to acknowledge your need of that. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. And if that's you today, or maybe you're 
once made a decision, but you're far away from God and you need to make a recommitment today, then right now in this place, I, so I know who I'm praying for, if you want to make that decision, recommit your life or say yes to Jesus, would you just raise your hand right now all across this room? And we're gonna see that, we're gonna acknowledge that and we're gonna believe in Jesus' Name for the free gift of eternal life to become yours today. Is there anyone here today who's here for the first time or maybe the second time, already several people in the first service made decisions for Christ. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand all across this room? We'll see it, we'll acknowledge it, and we'll join you in prayer today and uh, see the miracle of salvation become yours. Saints, can we just be praying for people right now all across this auditorium? Just raise your hand and we'll see it, we'll acknowledge it and pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just come to you today. And I thank you, Lord, for people that may be wrestling in their own hearts, in their own lives. I thank you, Lord, that, that Father, you're with us in that wrestle. And I just pray, Lord, whatever seeds have been planted in people's hearts today, that God, they won't ignore that. They won't walk out and just forget about this day. But God, their heart would be softened and opened. That the gift of faith would arise in their hearts. And God, we thank you today that you love us, that you've saved us and that we can have new life in you. In Jesus' precious name, and everybody said, can we just give God a hand of praise for what he's doing in people's hearts today? Let's worship. Let's